freedom in 2022 is certainly about being able to make free choices for ourselves and for our family, who we believe are the best. We have seen so much suffering over the last two years. People who die alone in terrible conditions, people losing dream jobs, polarized families, and a society that insult and yell at each other for making a different medical choice. But people have risen, and it will be through them that the future will have an important meaning for all of you, but especially for the next generation. Ruben News has been present at every step of this great challenge, but so many other pioneers whom you could meet and hear at our great conference about freedom for our beautiful country, which is Canada. This conference, which will be held in Calgary and Toronto, will show you the faces of the influence of freedom that you have seen over the past two years. You don't want to miss this. So get your ticket now at ribbonnewslive.com. And it will be a pleasure to see you there and meet you in large numbers. It's time to drop these masks and let the truth shine. Well, hello everyone. Good evening, everyone. Good uh, afternoon. I am joined here by Celine Gallas, a Rebel News reporter from Alberta. Celine, how are you doing? I'm doing really fantastic. I left this morning in a blizzard and I came to Ottawa and it's like plus 15 degrees. So that's great. It's one great, good thing in Ottawa the right great, now. The great corrupt liberal city of Ottawa. You know, the architecture <laughs> is beautiful here, but the people not quite the same. If you want to let us know your thoughts throughout the live stream, you can always go on Rumble or Odyssey, send us paid chats, and we'll do our best to read it on air. At the end of the live stream later on, we will have Freedom Convoy volunteer, not quite organizer, participant, public persona, Tom Razzo coming on. And we'll also have leader of the Ontario Party here in Ontario, Derek Sloan, come on as well to discuss the Emergencies Act Inquiry and everything that has happened today. Uh, also, just so that you guys know, on November 19th and November 25th, we will have Rebel News Live events in both Toronto and Calgary. Um, and in the Toronto event, I believe that we will have Tamara Leash participant, uh, participate as a speaker. So you will be able to hear from uh, the great Tamara Leash, convoy organizer Tamara Leash as well. So Celine, this was your first day in Ottawa. What was your main takeaway from today? Um, well, again, besides the weather, it's just really interesting to see. There's some protesters that have started to show up um, outside of where the emergency commission is being held here in Ottawa. Um, I can only imagine that where there are one, there will be many more to follow. So that'll be interesting. Um, I really thought that it was very interesting what uh, Tom Razzo screamed for all the people in the back, what we we're thinking uh, for the last three years. But when he actually refused to talk to mainstream media, um, that was really interesting. I believe we have one of those clips as well. But um, again, that's something that a lot of people have been saying. And it's nice to have people publicly refuting or refusing to speak with mainstream media. Yeah, I think we heard both Chris Barber, one of the organizers of Freedom Convoy, and mm -hmm. Tom Razzo as well in both of their testimony discuss um, the way that they see mainstream media has 
manipulated the narrative, has vilified yes. the freedom yeah. convoy. I think that's the reason why people were so upset on mainstream media because they weren't giving them a fair they share. They weren't portrayed correctly. Well, yeah. exactly. They were vilifying the people participating in the freedom convoy. We can see on the screen right here, Tom Arazzo refusing to take a question from one of the mainstream media reporters earlier today. So today, just a reminder, we had a freedom convoy lawyer, Keith Wilson, mm -hmm testify in front of the commission we also had freedom convoyer tom russell testify as well and we had pat king who ended the day i think he might still be giving his testimony yeah uh, king yeah. at the moment that it, that is very possible um so celine you've been following also i i think that you've been following the con not the convoy the emergency like inquiry for the past weeks as well for the past yeah. three weeks oh great that's right it's been a long three weeks um we always talk about what we're seeing throughout the inquiry we also talk about our takeaway from the inquiry what was your takeaway from the past three weeks well um as some of you might know i was actually there when the convoy first arrived in ottawa i showed up the night the same the same night that the truck started to pile in um, around the parliament building and down wellington and um from that point onward until the police came and crashed it it was peaceful mm -hmm. so my main takeaway from the emergencies act inquiry is that uh, again there's a lot of discussion around even what they're calling the protesters if they're protesters you know if they're if they're racist, if they're misogynist, if they're sexist, then the narratives just keeps on changing. And when you see so many inconsistencies with stuff like this, um, I think it's fairly obvious that it's it's a cover-up that's going on. That's my opinion, at least, that I believe that it's a cover-up. And there's no way that you can actually, with all of the, the mm -hmm. proof, all the videos from the very beginning since those trucks got there um, to the very end, no one can tell me that they were anything except peaceful. 100%. You were also part of the Freedom Convoy. Um, and you we heard, as you just mentioned, Paul Champ, a lawyer, that's, that keeps arguing um, about how non-peaceful, about how threatening the Freedom Convoy people were. Uh, we heard Zexy Lee say that the people, the people that were part of the Freedom Convoy were harassing citizens, even though we learned that the whole the own citizens of ottawa who were opposing the freedom convoy were throwing eggs, eggs they're egging them the exactly yeah we're egging the protesters yeah. is what you're hearing right now from the testimonies of these anti-convoy people what you the same thing as you've witnessed as a journalist in ottawa um no <laughs> like absolutely not mm -hmm. um i left before things um before the police started to really like pile in there and like crack down on the peaceful mm -hmm. protesters. So I just saw the very beginning where everyone was still in very much in a state of awe. And um, it was the first time that you saw so many people smiling together, laughing, being merry, cheering. That was kind of, that was the norm that people were looking for. Mm -hmm. So when you have people like Zexy Lee who are testifying and trying to validate throwing eggs at trucks and at protesters because there was honking or like microaggressions and people were being offended. Um, it's very interesting. Like, how can you validate something like that? What do you think? Yeah, well, it, it's so crazy. And we've seen there's there's a single counter protester, well, a protester actually that been, that's been here for the past for the past few days in front of the commission building that's been calling the truckers, the Freedom Convoy people, terrorists, that's been calling them racist, that's been calling them far-right lunatics. We see her right <laughs> here. Literally... And not a single supporter of the Freedom Convoy has laid a finger on her. I think yeah. they were re-terrorists. Something like that would have happened. And we have yet to see any violence that's been yeah. inflicted that's been put on this woman yes. for protesting Tamara Leach, protesting Tom Marazzo, protesting yeah. the Freedom Convoy people. Yeah. 
Well, especially like think about how Antifa was brought into yeah. this as well, right? So you had aggressors in the crowd that were trying to pretend that they were part of the the freedom movement um, as these pre- these peaceful protesters. And you could see, even I remember being there um, when so many people would take interviews from Mocha and myself or Alexa Lavoie or Lincoln J, um, anyone from Rebel or actual independent media. But you had people with huge cameras going and standing behind like police lines, casting this very ominous shadow over this crowd making it look very dangerous and that is not a part of the narrative um that the people there Mm -hmm. like actually saw listened to that's not what what they're portrayed as because the mainstream media is very very good at uh taking those angles and making sure that uh the truth is smooth well i think that's one of the reasons why tom morazzo refused to answer questions from from the mainstream media i think that's the reason why i would Um, no we've got some great great guests that are about to come on in a few minutes so just tell us a bit more one last thing tell us a bit more about what you're going to do here in ottawa what you plan on doing for the next three weeks yeah so i'm going to be here to live tweet the court proceedings just as you've seen many of the the rebel journalists have been doing um and beyond that i'll be here to um scrum some mm-hmm. of the people that are testifying as well alongside William here. I know he's he's really he's really got a hold on that, but I definitely want a piece of the action. And um also grant a little bit of a Western perspective because um someone obviously born and raised in the West and from so many people of the like seeing so many members of the the freedom movement, the convoy, come up from the West Coast all the way to the East mm-hmm. to be a part of this. I think that's a really interesting perspective to hold those compare those uh comparisons. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a big movement. Well, thanks for coming on, and I truly look forward to be working with you in the next next few days, next few weeks. Absolutely. Thanks All right, let's take me. a short break, and then when we come on, we will have Tom Morazzo join us to talk about his testimony. Freedom in 2022 is not sitting idly by while health diktats with no skin in the game make up all the rules. If you're like me and want to play an active role in upholding civil liberties and freedoms for all Canadians, for our children, and eventually our grandchildren, then come out to our Rebel Live event and get to know us in person. We'll hearing from some of the most influential leaders in the freedom movement. We have events in Toronto on November the 19th and in Calgary on Saturday, November 26th. Tickets are on sale now at rebelnewslive.com. Come out, have lunch, get some Rebel swag, meet the Rebels, and more. You don't want to miss this event. Check it out, rebelnewslive.com. We heard from a, fr- a fringe number of witnesses from the past few weeks that we, they saw violence throughout the convoy. Did you see that yourself? Do you think that represents the essence of the movement? I saw a lot of violence on the 18th and 19th of February, and it was all from the police. That's all. Well, what are your thoughts on Jeremy McKenzie? You spoke about him a little bit earlier. Can you elaborate on what you think of his views? Jeremy's got a lot of controversial things that he says. Some things are great. Some things I disagree with fundamentally. Um, But he's an entertainer. Uh, Like it or not, he says things that are controversial. Um, And that's what entertainment is about. You can tune in or turn it off if you want to. 
You also said the media wrongfully represented your, your position during the convoy, wrongfully represented Freedom Convoy. Can you elaborate on what exactly you meant? Well, it's great to have you on, Tom. How are you doing? I'm good. I feel like I've just uh, written my final exams for the, the school year. <laughs> so Tom Rosso was one of the witnesses testified earlier during the commission. And I think it's been probably five live streams since we didn't have you on. So can you explain your okay? Can you explain who you are? Can you tell our viewers uh, a little bit about your background, who, who you are, what you're doing here in Ottawa? Well, I only have 40 minutes. So yeah. not <laughs> um yeah, so I've been here. Uh I did participate in the convoy in January and February. And uh I was summoned or subpoenaed to come here and testify at the Public Order Emergency Commission. Uh, which is where I've been for the last couple of weeks since it started. We're on, I think, day 15 of the uh, all the testimony. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just here with the lawyers and some of the other witnesses, Tamara Lich, or Leach, sorry, and uh, Chris Barber. And uh, we're, we're just assisting the legal team with a lot of the fine detail uh, mm -hmm. for when other people testify, we can fill in a lot of the, the blanks that maybe the, the, our lawyers don't have. Mm -hmm. So, and then my part-time gig is I come on here, uh, most nights. Yeah. <laughs> and usually yeah. I'm the one that's better dressed between both of us, but say you're yeah. the one who's, uh, I would have been upset if you didn't mention at least the tie with a proper shirt. Yeah, exactly. You don't have the puppy though, but you have yeah. a tie, you have a suit. Yeah. I've been telling you for yeah. for a few weeks now, wear a tie, wear a tie. I know, I know. First time you wear it, and I'm, I'm not even wearing it myself. I know. So, you know, the clip that we saw earlier, the first clip that we looked mm -hmm. at right before you came on, mm -hmm. was a clip from the scrum that you did after the commission, right after the commission, uh, after yeah. your testimony yeah. uh, with the media that were there. Well, not every media as we see. We're going to get to that a little bit later, but there's so much to unpack from both yeah. your testimony, Keith's testimony. Mm -hmm what we saw today let's let's throw one of the clips from um tom's testimony from from today i guess i'll take just just a second sure we, we can take a look at the first one mm -hmm. noticed things that i never before believed that i would see in in canada related to the way the police and bylaw and the government were going after Canadians. And for the first time in my life, I was, you know, actually afraid of police. And I have several friends that are police officers. And I had a phone call with uh, Randy Hillier one day, and Randy didn't know who I was. This was, uh, I sent an email to him and Roman Babber and other people, and months later, his office had returned the call. And Randy doesn't even recall the, the conversation. And they said, you know, I spent 25 years of my life in the military, and for the first time, I'm actually afraid in my own country. And he said, you know, never be afraid. Like, you can't be afraid of the police or the government. They're, they're here to serve us. And I think for me, that kind of flipped a, a switch, uh, where I was like, I, I, I went from thinking, I'm afraid to get uh, arrested or beaten by the police, or getting an $880 fine to, you know what, now I want the fine. I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to hide from these people anymore. Um, and so that started to mentally transition the way I thought. And then we came to a point where I thought, well, at some point, the, the lawyers are going to step in and intervene and, and start protecting the public. And, and they didn't, except for a few. Then when the COVID the vaccine came out, I thought, well, the medical community is going to stand up. And, and put a stop to this because of informed consent. And they, and they didn't, uh, except for a few. 
And it was the truckers that gave me an opportunity to actually get into, you know, fighting for, for my kids' rights. Well, first of all, I think that she did extremely well during the testimony. It was really great to watch both you and Keith. I think both of you did a great job. Um, I think the clip that we just saw right here, a lot of Canadians are feeling the same way. <laughs> I believe at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of Canadians were willing to comply with the rules, were willing to go along with the authoritarian mandates that were placed to them. And I think through the pandemic, when they saw the government actually overreaching a lot, and we even saw Keith talk about it, that's the yeah. reason why he became involved with GCCF, became involved with the Freedom Convoy. I think that's how a lot of Canadians are feeling. What did you think of that? Yeah, I like I learned a lot about uh, how Canadians felt when I was campaigning with the Ontario Party. Mm -hmm. uh, every day we would go to an event and we would talk to ordinary Canadians and the level of fear and anxiety that people felt in this country uh, you know, like you saw in the video, it, it are things that I never ever thought that I would experience in canada mm -hmm. and uh unfortunately we did and in the horror stories that i heard uh over and over and over while campaigning were very reflective of the things that i was seeing in fact i was watching rebel media um long before uh i was involved in the convoy my my actual source of of good unedited information was coming from rebel and and a few other alternative media sources i i knew i couldn't trust the mainstream media but mm -hmm. what i was seeing was uh how i was feeling and um you know it just it's it's really heartbreaking to to acknowledge that that is the reality in this country mm -hmm. and that is all thanks to both uh the the legacy media and the government of Canada and every political party, uh, every, every level of government in this country. As, as someone who served in the army, is that something that you were expecting to, to, to see from your government? I don't think. No, absolutely not. Uh, if, if you actually, a lot of people bring up the oath all the time, you know, you're forgetting your oath. If you actually look at the oath for there, there are a couple of different ones that police give, but for the military, you don't swear an oath to the, the people of Canada or the constitution. You actually swear an oath at the time to the queen of England, her heirs and successors. Um, and so, you know, you, you have to be clear on why you're joining the, the military, obviously. Uh, I know what was in my heart when I joined the military and it, uh, it had nothing to do with upholding a, a, a tyrannical regime. Mm -hmm. And, and as far as I was concerned, I, I still am concerned. That's what we have right now in this country. Yeah. Is, is that one of the reasons why you decided to join James Stop and the group Veterans for Freedom and work alongside all of these people yeah I, and, I, and i think i think that when the veterans or the police take a stand of this magnitude or the, mm -hmm. this importance i think it is a uh, i think the public takes special notice of that mm -hmm. um it is the the role of a of a soldier to uh fight if called and mm -hmm. and there's something called informed consent where uh or sorry not informed consent uh uh unlimited liability that okay. is exclusive to to being a a, a military a, a soldier mm -hmm. and when you live by unlimited liability that means that you could be ordered to your certain death mm -hmm. uh, in combat so when the people that are willing to lay down their lives literally mm -hmm. uh are 
stepping out of the norms and speaking up. I think the public should take notice of that. But unfortunately, because of the mainstream media, what we often get called is um, traitors yeah. and insurrectionists. And I think it's unfair. I think it doesn't show a lot of uh, evolved thinking on the part of the Canadian public overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when the police and the military both stand up and say, hey, uh, there's a problem here. I think the public mm-hmm. should take note of that and stop listening to the anchor man. You know, yeah, and that's you're, you're 100% right. Yeah, you yeah. Know, we've heard a lot of people call James Stop a traitor, call yourself yeah. a traitor. To I got force called a traitor on the way walking here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was it by the same lady who's the same lady out front of the commission? Traitor. Yeah. You know, I, I always find it so incomprehensible how mm-hmm. someone who can stand up to the rights of Canadians, which is mm-hmm. his job in a certain way which is his what he has to do as a as a yeah. true Canadian, as a as a as a as an army man well the the irony is be that, called the traitor yeah the irony is this is that uh every soldier knows that they could end up sacrificing their their life mm-hmm. on behalf of people that hate them yeah you know i could have i could have been killed in combat so that she had the right to go out there that lady there with the uh the and call you a terrorist the, the, yeah and call me a terrorist and, and yeah. scream vile things at me you know, and that's something that as a soldier, you accept the fact that people will have the right to uh, say certain disgusting things right to your face, no matter what. Well, that's freedom of speech. That's the foundation of it Western is. civilization. Yeah. Another another interesting thing that you also touched on during your testimony, and we can see this on the clip mm-hmm. 10, was your, your personal experience in regards to government freezing bank accounts of yeah. Canadians. Can we show that clip? It's the 10th clip in the list. And were you given any information, uh, e- either from the bank or from the police, as to how you, how you, your bank accounts could be reopened? I was never notified that my bank accounts had been frozen, and I was never notified that they would be, and I was never notified um, that they were uh, reinstated at no time. So, so did you just find out that they were frozen because you could no longer use your could no longer your c- yeah. cards could no longer access any uh of our financial uh assets at all and i think in addition to this clip there's also part of your testimony when you talk about your family having their bank account frozen mm-hmm. d- deeper length can you tell us a little bit more yeah i mean I think the lesson here for everybody is, uh, what's the phrase? Cash is king. Um, yeah, yeah, that we now live in a society where if you step in line with what the federal government believes, they will just shut you off. Yeah, you know, and and Derek Sloan and I, and um, uh, you know, when when we were campaigning, actually, and, and I, I'm bringing this up because I know Derek is on after, and he can speak to this as well but we were adamantly against um that's right uh the uh the uh, digital society. id yeah. and uh a cashless society for for exactly these reasons because when my bank accounts were frozen my credit card that was on file with my son's drugstore mm-hmm. uh we could not get his heart medication right mm-hmm. what did my son do that that now put his life in jeopardy he didn't do anything and in the government of canada mm-hmm. without any consideration to the second and third order effects of people's lives you know we heard other testimony i think from bridget um that she struggled she couldn't get her husband's um diabetes medication if, oh, I, if i'm right. remembering that correctly so 
you know, they, they didn't give any consideration to the second, third order effects of what they were doing. They just did it because uh, they could. Yeah. And then you see Christian Freeland just giggling away like Philip the goat from uh, Diagonal, uh, you know, when she's she's talking about how she's freezing financial assets. She thought mm-hmm. it was funny. Yeah, you know, Diagonal, that's another thing that I want to talk about. I don't think we have a clip ready for that, but can you talk to us a little bit more about Jeremy McKenzie's yeah fake country called the diagonal yeah and and i and i couldn't remember uh the vice president of diagonal's name it is in fact philip oh right is it a goat as well philip is the the time traveling coke addicted goat who is the vice president of uh the fictitious country or state of diagonal Mm -hmm. Diagonal is a if you draw a line from uh alaska across alberta down to texas creates a diagonal line and that's the states and provinces that actually don't have mask mandates at the time when he created it and uh their arch enemy are the states and provinces around that are um that's called circle on that's their arch enemy diagonal and circle and this is sounds sounds super real then yeah, I mean, this is the, it, it got brought up in my testimony as well today uh, because it was brought up in the House of Commons during the invocation when they were debating. The Liberals were actually debating and saying that this was a terrorist organization and that um, uh, it, it was correct to use the Emergency Act because of Diagonal, mm-hmm. a meme, a face, uh, a social media meme, a joke. This is the world we live in under Justin Trudeau right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's go to a quick ad break and then when we come back we can talk about your views of mainstream media and what you said about mainstream media both in the inquiry mm-hmm. and then afterwards during the quick quick scrum that we're able to have sure. with you sure freedom in 2022 is certainly about being able to make free choices for ourselves and for our family who we believe are the best We have seen so much suffering over the last two years. People who die alone in terrible conditions, people losing dream jobs, polarized families, and a society that insults and yells at each other for making a different medical choice. But people have risen, and it will be through them that the future will have an important meaning for all of you, but especially for the next generation. Ribbon News has been present at every step of this great challenge, but so many other pioneers whom you could meet and hear at our great conference about freedom for our beautiful country, which is Canada. This conference, which will be held in Calgary and Toronto, will show you the faces of the influence of freedom that you have seen over the past two years. You don't want to miss this. So get your ticket now at ribbonnewslive.com. And it will be a pleasure to see you there and meet you in large numbers. It's time to drop these masks and let the truth shine. All right, mainstream media. That was that was one of the main parts of your testimony as well. We heard you talk a lot about them. Um, you know, before we start, why don't we throw to one of your clips, clip number eight, where we can see you in the inquiry talk about 
uh, your views to, in regards uh, to mainstream media. Sure. Let's take a look. Did you take any steps to uh, clarify what you meant with the media outlets who were reporting um, that the protesters wanted to form a coalition government? No, I was not in charge of direct um, contact. I had no direct contact with the media. And as far as I was concerned, uh, my belief was if they actually started to do their job and report fairly, we would reward them with contact or I would or whatever, not necessarily me. But if they continued down the path of constantly vilifying and lying about us, uh, I didn't see the point really of talking to them at all. Uh, we were effective, highly effective at getting out everything we wanted to get out to the public through alternative and social media. So you didn't make any efforts to go to the no, reporters who, uh, who had re reported no. a different interpretation and say, that's wrong, can you please fix it? No. And so you don't know whether or not they would have issued a correction or uh, issued, a, maybe not a correction, a follow-up story, you just don't know. I don't know. And they never reached out to talk to me from my knowledge either. You know, I can assure you from someone who was in the video room while you were saying it, the, the vibe wasn't the same as, 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 it was, as it was right before that. What's your issue with mainstream media? They lie. And, and they have been doing nothing but lie uh, since the pandemic began. And I, and I think they probably were part of the lie before the first lockdowns started. And uh, they just continue to perpetuate all of Justin Trudeau's lies. Um, they do not report in a balanced, uh, transparent manner. They don't go and get stories uh, of even the doctors or even lawyers or nurses that had a counter opinion to the official government or, or mini ministry of truth's mm -hmm. uh, beliefs. And so I... I just, after all this time, I am not going to ever uh, give them a soundbite. And, and and I had an issue too when James Top, uh, myself, and Paul Alexander, Doctor Alexander, met with. Yeah. Uh, you were there. You covered yeah, it that was, day. Yeah, in I fact, well. I took the video that you uh, posted up on um, on YouTube, and I reposted that because you're the only one who actually didn't edit. You captured the truth of what the conversation was. The whole thing. Yeah. The whole thing. And um, they they chopped it up and created their own little narrative around sound bites. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't want to give them any sound bites whatsoever uh that they're going to chop up and I and I have no doubt now that they'll they'll take even my little passing comment when I walk by and said they're liars. They'll they'll chop that up into something um mm -hmm. disgusting like they typically do. So I as far as I'm concerned um they're just doing uh they're the biggest megaphone for justin trudeau and jugmeet singh and all these uh these people that are perpetuating lies mm -hmm. we all know they get paid i mean we're it, it's it's almost self-abusive because we we mm -hmm. as taxpayers fund yeah, we're paying for that we're paying to be lied and victimized yeah. by by the mainstream media so i refuse to participate in uh in any of their games um so i walked right by i saw you and i and i only uh i spoke to you and i spoke to andrew lawton yeah uh because i just refuse to uh reward them in any way possible because they're even if they tell you that they're good they're gonna find a way to make you look bad oh for sure and you know it's funny that you mentioned megaphone because that's what i was thinking of there's a picture that i saw recently online 
um, it's journalism in the 1970s where you mm. see the politician speaking, you yeah. see the people on one side, and you see the reporter with a megaphone shouting at the politician being the voice of the people. Now, yeah. once 2022, yeah. you see the exact same thing, the politician there, the people here, yes. but you see the journalist pointing the megaphone at the people, basically yeah. regurgitating everything yes. the politician's saying. Yeah. Is this what you're... What you say? Well, that's exactly it, you know, and, and I've told this, this story a few times, uh, in various events that, uh, in, in 1933, when Hitler became the chancellor of Germany, mm -hmm. first thing he did was actually issue, uh, free radios into the homes of every German oh, family. Right. Uh, and he was also in control of the, the content that those homes were receiving. Mm -hmm. This is how governments historically get their message out to the people that they want the people. And now look at us at Bill C C eleven. Mm -hmm. Last I was tracking it, it, it passed its uh, second reading in the Senate. Uh, That's right. We're, yeah. we're inches away. We're inches away from the government having full dominance of mm -hmm. the internet. Uh, and that, that puts all of us at risk of, of being an informed society. If the government yeah. is going to dictate, uh, what we can and cannot consume. No, Bill, Bill Sylvan is an absolutely an terrible bill. Let's say it's an online censorship bill, yes. Soviet Union style censorship yes. bill. It's absolutely terrible. And if it passes third reading in the Senate, and it will. Yeah, I have, I have some, I have some hopes that it won't pass. But I think I think there's a large chance. I think it will be terrible for the future of Canadian yeah. society. Listen, we have you on for only a few minutes. Sure. Now I really want to get to one specific clip. Um, as we mentioned earlier, after your testimony, you st stepped out in the room and you did a three minute scrum with us. Mm -hmm. I think it will be worth it to show the full scrum that we did together. So let's take a look at that, and then we can talk a little bit, and then I'll let you. I'll let you go. Sure. fully represented your your position during the convoy roughly represented freedom convoy can you elaborate on what exactly you meant by that yeah and i i talked about it in the the testimony today uh where you know they they vilified people or vilified the comments that i made for basically saying that uh i wanted to form a government to be part of a government that was not the intent of those comments uh, they never retracted it after we did the updated uh, statement saying we wanted nothing to do with the uh, internal workings of the government, but uh, the media never corrected that. They just continued on the uh, the vicious attacks and the narrative that they wanted all along. That okay. served their okay. Can you also explain? So you weren't an organizer at the beginning, but you were also only a spokesperson, as you said, for two days. So why, why were you testifying on the stand uh, today in the inquiry? I was summons, uh, summoned to be here like all the other witnesses. And last question for me, do you think there's ever a way that our country can recover from the damage that was done from the politicians and the police in the past two years? The people of Canada have no voice. They have no power because of the legacy media constantly lies and misrepresents everything that uh, has been going on for two years. And uh, I think the media is, is when the media decides to be on the side of the people, then I think you'll get some change. But right now they're on the side of the government who constantly lies. If Justin Trudeau or representatives of the federal government had met with you, what would your response have been or those of your colleagues? I would have clearly articulated why these mandates we believed were unjustified, immoral, illegal, and that Canadians had spoken and sent us to Ottawa to deliver that message and come up with a way to remove the mandates 
um, and then plot a way forward. If they heard that message but didn't change policy, would that be enough for the protest to have said mission accomplished and, and go home in your view? No, the, the objective was to get rid of all federal mandates. And leadership starts at the top. So if Justin Trudeau had decided to do the right thing, the right moral thing, uh, and to listen to the, the wishes of, of Canadians, then maybe the premiers would have found their moral courage as well and started listening to people in this country. Because two and a half or two years prior to the convoy, Canadians were protesting all over this country and not one single politician heard those concerns. Can you talk about the relationship with the police uh, services on the ground? Who are you with? I'm a reporter, a local reporter for Le Droit. Uh, okay. Can you talk about the relationship with the police? Did you get everything? You know, in, in a certain way, I feel like that was a liberal politician moment. That's what I'm being told all the time with Dr. Yeah. Ford. Who are you with? Rebel News? Uh, that's not enough. Those people aren't used to being told no. Yeah, and uh, I, I, there's a there's a big part of me that felt a little, you know, a, a moment of satis satisfaction walking away because you know they they want to take the soundbite, chop it up, and make it into something ugly. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want to play that game with them uh, for as long as um, alternative media is is allowed to continue and allowed to keep telling the truth that is you know that's going to be a direct threat to uh the government in the in the competition i think that's the genesis of of mm -hmm. bill c11 it's not about keeping the internet safe uh safe from hate it's about keeping absolute dominant control over what canadian uh canadian citizens get to digest and, and consume really from the media the message is going to be controlled directly from the government of Canada, the Ministry of Truth. It is not going to be, uh, you're not going to have the ability to uh, do research. I mean, I, I would, if I was people, I'd be out there running, getting uh, stocks and VPN companies right now. That's what I'd be doing. <laughs> For sure, I'm sure going to do a lot of profits in the yeah. next few months if, yeah. if Bill, Bill C11 is actually a nice into law. Mm -hmm. And just one last thing, you seem to have this little competition, this little clash, little hatred towards mainstream media right now. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's ever going to be resolved? No, I think we need to uh, defund the CBC and every media outlet that gets money from the government. And, um, you know, the CRTC has a lot of explaining to do to the public because really the CRTC was put into place because there was limited airwaves for the legacy media to, uh, to uh, get different um, portions mm -hmm. of it. That's not the case with the internet anymore. And yeah. so CRTC has become irrelevant, but they've had to reinvent themselves as, you know, the gatekeepers of, mm -hmm. of the internet now. And it's completely unnecessary. It's unnatural. And I, I just don't think that we we need it. And, and I think the market is going to punish legacy media with their behavior anyway. So that's mm -hmm. a, that's a bit of a risk to us because, um, as they get less viewership, the government's going to get more creative in making sure that we find a way to consume their garbage. That's right. Well, that's what we're seeing with it. We'll be, with Bill C11. C11, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Samse. Uh, I'll see you very soon in the next yeah. few days. Next time, wear a tie. <laughs> you know, I've been the one who's been telling you that for the past 
for okay. the past few weeks and you're finally yeah. wearing I, I'm glad you wear one yeah I, I can promise I will wear one next time that you come on awesome. the show you'll be less less well dressed than me next time will. all right guys stay, <laughs> stay on with us we'll be able to have Derek Sloan come on right after this short break all right Freedom in 2022 is not sitting idly by while health diktats with no skin in the game make up all the rules. If you're like me and want to play an active role in upholding civil liberties and freedoms for all Canadians, for our children and eventually our grandchildren, then come out to our Rebel Live event and get to know us in person while hearing from some of the most influential leaders in the freedom movement. We have events in Toronto on November the 19th and in Calgary on Saturday, November 26th. Tickets are on sale now at rebelnewslive.com. Come out, have lunch, get some Rebel swag, meet the Rebels and more. You don't want to miss this event. Check it out, rebelnewslive.com. Just leader, not founder. Leader, yeah. Sorry, guys, for the technical difficulty. I have uh, currently with me Derek Sloan, leader of the Ontario Party of in Ontario. It says in the name. How are you doing, Derek? Hey, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me here. Great. So, Derek, you are at the Inquiry today for the first time since the past three weeks. What motivates you to come to Ottawa? Well, obviously, I've been watching it through the news and and, and in other ways. But uh, today, a very good friend of mine, Tom Morazzo, was testifying. I wanted to be here to support Tom in person. And uh, and obviously, uh, you know, say hi to the other uh, uh, people who were there, along with uh, you know Tamara Lich and Chris Barber and people like that. So it was a, it was a good day and mm -hmm. some interesting testimony. That's right. You know, I think Tom's testimony really spoke to the people of Ontario, to the people of Canada. I think, as as I mentioned with Tom earlier, that's how a lot of Canadians are feeling. They're feeling led down by the police. They're feeling led down, led down by the government, uh, by mainstream media. Is that one of the reasons why? you're motivated to run for the Ontario party in the last elections. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my I believe my goal is to rejuvenate politics in Canada at every level. Um, and I may not be able to, you know, be a participant in every way in, in Canada in that, but I, I like to support people who are trying to make a change. I see. And um, so that's why I, I ran against Doug Ford in Ontario. Um, and, you know, again, I believe that he's an example of the kind of leader that we need to see less of here in Canada. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, uh, you know, that's why I was involved. That's I know why Tom was involved as well. And and it's great to be surrounded by so many great people. Mm -hmm. And what were your thoughts from the inquiry stage? That was the first time that you actually went in person. How are you feeling being in the room in person? Well, it's very interesting. In, in some senses, uh, it's surprising sort of that the room is not packed. I know there's a lot of people watching on on online and, and so forth and reading about it in the news, but it's not a packed room. There's not really that many people there outside of the people who are set to testify and, and the various lawyers that are there. So there's lots of room. Um, very interesting. I would say from my, from my impression that the inquiry is being run in a fairly fair manner in the sense that it it feels mm -hmm. like they're letting everybody say their yeah. piece and and a lot of very uh you know really bombshell information is coming out and and it's really painting the liberals uh, in a bad light it's painting the whole invocation of the emergencies act in uh, you know again as as unnecessary mm -hmm. uh, and it's exciting to see frankly 
And how, how closely have you been following the inquiry for the past, uh, since, since this beginning? Yeah, fairly closely. I mean, I haven't been watching every minute, of course, on, on TV, but anything that's you know spoken about in the news and, and so on, uh, I've seen that. And which which testimony surprised you the most or really caught your attention the most out of everyone that's that's passed? You know, we had Jim Watson, yes. we had failed Ottawa mayoral candidate Catherine McKinney. Yes. And we had Zeg Zili, now your good friend Tom Morazzo. Yes, yes. Yeah, so so for me, I think some of the most important information, really the o, the OPP intelligence chief, I believe, that's right. Yeah, you know that that individual. Some great stuff came out of that testimony. So basically, um, now again, I didn't. Uh, it, so I read news uh, a news summary about what he said, but what I understand he did in part was to basically blame the media for mm-hmm. sensationalizing uh, the news that was coming out about the truckers' convoy, yeah. and he basically said, "Listen, there wasn't." any real evidence of any, you know, extremism or violence. And the media had a part to play in, uh, you know, blowing this way out of proportion. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, uh, you know, something that we, you know, we all would have known that before, but it's great to have somebody on the record testifying to that. Yeah. And were you in Ottawa during the Freedom Convoy? Yes, I was. I was. Yeah. yeah. So for our viewers at home that haven't really been following the commission, I think it would be great to show one of the clips from Keith Wilson, clip number two, talk about... Uh, the truckers that arrived in Ottawa and their intent when arriving in the capital of the country. Let's let's take a look at that clip. Not it was never just to move up to Wellington. It was always recognized that probably only twenty five percent of the vehicles could go to Wellington. the The more dominant theme of the plan was for the vehicles to move to the remote locations at Embram Exit eighty eight and Armprior, and um to have expand the shuttle buses that were already running and there was also this is a very important point and i don't know that it's come out yet is a lot of people who were there the truckers never planned to stay that long but the canadians they met along the way and the stories and the heartache that they heard and the trust and um plea that they heard from those people Many of the truckers I talked to felt this obligation to stay as long as they could, but they also needed a way to leave gracefully and respectfully. And one of the things we recognized was that um, if 75% of the vehicles were going to be given an opportunity to leave and go either to Embram or um, Armprior, that some would actually use it as an opportunity to go home and do so respectfully. So that was an important part of the plan. Is that is that what you've been able to notice uh, during your time here in Ottawa, during the Freedom Convoy? Oh, just that it was a respectful uh, protest and things well, that like was this. Respectful. Yeah. People weren't planning on staying for a long run. However, yeah. they did decide yeah. to stay for a long run after seeing the issues that were at stake and the civil liberties that were that were basically fighting for. Yeah. So my impression of the the trucker convoy is that it was again a very organic movement that really mm-hmm. materialized not because of the leadership of any one person or group of people, but just because of Canadians sort of having enough and, mm-hmm. and being fed up with what was going on in the government. I think that when the con the convoy started taking on a life of its own from the beginning, uh, in terms of, you know, adding adding more and more trucks to the convoy mm-hmm. as it was coming from different areas of the country. And I think when people got here, um the I mean, one thing I noted when I was here is is that, you know, the atmosphere was just so peaceful, even though yeah. it was, you know, almost 30 degrees below zero. It was almost like a, it was a mixture between like a family reunion and mm-hmm. like a festival. And um, I think people just really 
were so proud to see so many people like them across the country. They were so glad to see, um, you know, Canadians rallying together that it that it just it continued to evolve into what it what it became. Yeah, and you know, wh while we're seeing on the screen, I want to give you a, uh, some time to address it in your in your view. Uh, we saw a few pictures only of a swastika flag being yeah. flown the whole time. We saw a Nazi flag being flown, and I feel the mainstream media blew all of this out of proportion. Yes, is that the general sense you had? You talk about how peaceful it was. That did you feel it was a Nazi process or was a large neo-Nazi swastika racist presence in Ottawa? So. So I believe the media deliberately tried to portray the trucker rally as something that it wasn't mm -hmm. uh, from the beginning. Uh, I think that's very clear. I mean, I remember one headline in the Toronto Star uh, saying something along the lines of, you know, the trucker rally is white supremacism in all its glory. Um, no, yeah. absolutely not. When I was there, I saw all different kinds of people, all different kinds of skin colors. Uh, there was a, a significant contingent of, uh, you know, natives there. Uh, There's a lot of French people. There was a lot mm -hmm. of people of, of all different backgrounds. Um, there was none of that there. We, you know, this particular flag that was shown in the media, which I believe was taken uh, in some court, in, in some corridor beside the, the hotel, Lor the, the Chateau Laurier. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that that, Uh, again, I mean, that's not where the, ma the major pro that's not where, yeah. you know, the, the majority of people were. But again, uh, who, who's to say who that was? Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe somebody was there just to discredit the the movement. Right. I mean, it, I mean, you know, no, nothing, nothing's to stop mm -hmm. uh, anyone uh, who's opposed to the truckers movement from coming and, and doing things that are discreditable. And we've seen that in other situations where you have, you know, left wing groups or other kind of groups that come in and try to discredit legitimate uh, protests. So it could very well have been that. And it probably was. Yeah, I think I agree with you because one of the things that Andrew Lawson touched on when he came on the live stream uh, a few days ago, he touched on the fact that he he learned that the cameraman who was following those two guys holding swastika and Nazi flag was Justin Trudeau's cameraman. He was Justin Trudeau's photographer. Sure. I think it might have been staged. It's, it's possible. I think there's yeah. a possibility that was the case. Um, there's another interesting point that you touched on. I believe it was either Keith Wilson or Tom Morasso that spoke about this during their testimony. There were a lot of Eastern European protesters at yes. the Freedom Convoy. Yeah. And there's a clear reason for that. You know, in Eastern Europe, that's Soviet Union, that's Russia. And these people, these older gentlemen that are living in Eastern Europe, remember how it was like during the Soviet Union. Correct. Or they have parents or grandparents that were living through a Soviet Union regime. And I think if those people are so attracted to the convoy because they see there's an important message there, I think Canadians should take a listen to that because it means yeah. that those people who know what an actual authoritarian communist uh, regime, dictatorship, basically a dictatorship, um, that type of regime, they know how it is. And I think I think the reason why they were so attracted to convoys is because they saw Canada slowly moving towards that direction. I think you're right. I think in my experience, almost you know anybody who has an Eastern European background or, or any experience with living in the Eastern Bloc has really, uh, you know, the light, the light bulb has sort of come on during COVID. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people see similarities with sort of what the government has done during COVID-19, especially, you know, how they responded to their freedom convoy and other things uh, as being exactly the types of things that they saw and experienced uh, yeah. under communism. So um, I think these are lessons that we all need to consider. And, and it's, it's good to see that so many people are waking up. No, it's definitely great to see. Another thing that I also want to touch on is Doug Ford. 
Uh, you ran against Doug Ford, and we know Correct. that Doug Ford was summoned to testify during the inquiry. However, he's trying to fight it in court right now. Correct. What'd you make of that? Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's an interesting legal argument they're using. I mean, the, the political reason why is they don't want to lose face for, mm -hmm. for what happened behind the scenes. I mean, it's very clear that Doug Ford and his brother, Rob Ford, when he was alive, they were, you know, uh, behind the blue collar guy. They were mm -hmm. into, you know, truckers and that kind of thing. And Doug Ford threw them under the bus. And I don't think he is proud of that moment in, in his life. And I don't think he wants whatever deliberations went, went back and forth between himself and Justin Trudeau and others mm -hmm. to be brought out into the, the light of day. And so regardless of the legal arguments that they're making, I hope that he is compelled to testify. And I hope that the truth of this comes out. Do you think he's running under the name of his brother? You know, he uses Ford Nation a lot, which is a, a term that his brother used. Do you think that's a strategy? I mean, of course, right? I mean, you know, they, they, the, the, the Ford brand for politically in this day and age is largely through his brother. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Ford Nation kind of, you know, it refers to sort of, you know, like the work hard, get it done, blue collar types. That's an association that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they've always reached out to. And frankly, he threw those types under the bus when he was in favor of this emergency act. So he should testify. Uh, and I hope he's, I hope he has to. And wh while we have, have you on here, uh, moving away a little bit from the trucker, trucker inquiry, because I'm, I'm curious to see your thoughts on that. Uh, recently, Doug Ford decided to invoke the, to invoke the notwithstanding clause against the union of professor. Do you yeah. agree with Ford's decision to do that? I believe that I believe that we need to take we, we need to take strong action to keep the schools open. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as to the specifics of this this negotiation, um, you know, frankly, I mean, could it have been accomplished without? I don't know. I do know that uh, you know what the what the what the uh, the union is asking for is a, is a pretty significant increase, yeah. and frankly. Um, my opinion over the years is that, you know, my opinion over the years is that the, the, you know, this particular union and the teachers union can be hard to deal with. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's clear. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're certainly paid better than many other places around the yeah. world. Uh, and they, they always, they always want more. Um, so, you know, whether they should have gone this route or, or whether it could have been, um, you know, dealt with in another way, I don't know, but listen, uh, kids need to go to school. Mm -hmm. The fact that they're trying to walk out right now, uh, you know, they're asking for, I forget, it was it 11% pay increase or oh, something it was like extremely that. High, yeah. It's very high. It's very high. The exact percentage. Yeah. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. And frankly, you know, we live in an environment right now where everybody is needing, you know, the cost of living is going up for everybody. Um, not many people are getting massive raises right now. Mm -hmm. And I think the public service needs to, needs to, needs to remember that. I mean, they're, they're free to, uh, you know, start their own business or or take another career if it pays more. But we can't be expecting the government to up the ante all the time when it comes to things like this. Yeah, one of the things that I find pretty funny is here's Stephen Leche, the minister, well, the interior yes. minister for yes. um, for education, yeah. talk about the need for children to go back to school. We need to yeah. send our children yes. back to school yes. when you're the exact government that locks them up for two years in Ontario. Yes. Yes. And then, don't you find it a little bit hypocritical? Yeah, it is bizarre. I mean, it, it appears in, it, to one degree or another that, the, you know, the PCs have, have grown a pair mm -hmm. uh, or, or at least are doing some things that are a little bit... To a certain extent. Yeah. You know, a little bit braver. <laughs> Right. But, um, you know, we have to remember, you know, the government that we're talking about here. Um, 
you know, legislate, you know, making sure that the schools stay open, that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not giving in to, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, unfair union demands, that's the right thing to do as well. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Are you going to be staying here in Ottawa for the next few days during the commission? It's going to be an exciting week and we're going to be here for the next couple of days. Well, that's very exciting. I look forward to seeing you at the commission. Yeah. Uh, do we have any chats, uh, Olivia or Efron for today? Sure. Well, we'll take a look. So you're, you're going to be staying here in Ottawa for the next, next, uh, next three days. Uh, the next, yeah, the next for sure tomorrow, possibly Friday, but, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's definitely some exciting testimony. We have tomorrow alleged coming up. We have mm-hmm. one of the infamous founders of the group that shall not be named is coming on Friday. Okay. And, um, then there's also, uh, there's, there's others as, oh, uh, there's, um, Danny Bulford Danny is, Bulford, is yeah. uh, testifying on Friday. So it's a packed week and, um, Real, I mean, it, you know, it, in some sense, I mean, obviously, there's there's so many witnesses that are key witnesses, mm-hmm. but I think Tamara's testimony is is going to be one of the the highlights of this of mm-hmm. this uh, this whole affair. So that will be interesting to see, and uh, and we'll see what we'll see what they can draw. I mean, it's it's clear the the government's approach is to try and uh, tie this memorandum of understanding to an actual attempt to overthrow the government. Yeah, and they're also trying to. Uh, you know, connect this particular group to racism. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a pretty poor job of that. I mean, the memorandum of understanding is very clearly, uh, you know, a whimsical document drawn up by people who, you know, don't really maybe understand exactly how things work here, but it was not in any way uh, a, a legitimate uh, attempt to have, you know, some kind of a violent overthrow mm-hmm. of the Canadian government. Yeah, and I, think I think that's, that's what we're very, seeing right now. That, I, I think that's what the inquiry is revealing. Even yes. the people that were against the convoy, you know, I have a couple of friends that were opposed to the convoy while they worked here in Ottawa that were in favor of the emergencies act of the emergencies act yes. was first invoked. And then after listening to the inquiry, they're starting to switch their position because they're seeing that there, there was no such thing as an emergency during the convoy. Yes. There was no need to trample the civil liberties of protesters. Yes. There was no need to have an authoritarian never seen before act and vote on yes. peaceful protesters. I think people are actually seeing it. Yes. I think, I mean, I think you're right. I think the public impression of the inquiry is that, Really, the emergency act shouldn't shouldn't have been invoked. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the takeaway for of course. One hundred percent. All right, let's look at some of the chats that we have. So the first one from Judah Bursi, and those names I'm so terrible at uh, at reading them. Great job, Tom and Rebel Journalist. Well, thank you so much. Tom isn't the one sitting next to me, but I'm sure he can hear it in the background from our Airbnb. Thank you, Tom, for coming on today. Is that the only one that we have? Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Derek. There is some leader of the Ontario party here in Ontario. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone at home today. Uh, stay tuned for, for the rest of the week and for the next few weeks as well. Uh, we will have to merely testify at the commission in the next few days. We will also have a couple of other Freedom Convoy organizers that will be testifying. So it will definitely be interesting to watch. Uh, thank you for watching tonight, and I hope that you have a great night. Freedom in 2022 is certainly about being able to make free choices for ourselves and for our family, who we believe are the best. We have seen so much suffering over the last two years. People who die alone in terrible conditions, people losing dream jobs, polarized families, and a society that insult and yell at each other for making a different medical choice. But people have risen, and it will be through them that the future will have an important meaning for all of you.
but especially for the next generation. Ruben News has been present at every step of this great challenge, but so many other pioneers whom you could meet and hear at our great conference about freedom for our beautiful country, which is Canada. This conference, which will be held in Calgary and Toronto, will show you the faces of the influence of freedom that you have seen over the past two years. You don't want to miss this. So get your ticket now at ribbonnewslive.com. And it will be a pleasure to see you there and meet you in large numbers. It's time to drop these masks and let the truth shine.